With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nobody open. Running out of time. Finally throws. And it is This is Moneyline. We are live on a beautiful Black Friday. It is just me. There is no Ben King today. He has been fired. No, he's not been fired. Uh, ben is out of town, unable to record. And so I am holding on the fort this week. And honestly, it's going to be a little bit of a different podcast. You know, generally we give you our top 10. We give you our picks for the week. I might get into a couple of picks here. I'm um, not going to do the whole uh you know, $100 budget thing we've done throughout the year, although it's been fun. We're just not going to do that today. It's again, today's going to feel a little bit different, um, but it's going to be fun and I'm excited about it. Um, you know what I want to start off with really is I want to start uh, talking about the coaching carousel. This is one of my favorite parts of the college football season is when you start seeing some of these programs fire coaches, hire new coaches. I think it's fascinating to watch the directions they go in. There's some programs that, you know, I think you can tell just from how they manage themselves, how committed they are. You know, Liberty signed Hugh Freeze to a contract that's worth over $4 million a year. Liberty is a group of five school. And from what I've heard, and again, I mean, it's just discussion board chatter. It's not like I have a bunch of sources or anything. But from what I've heard, it didn't seem like Virginia Tech, who wanted Hugh Freeze, was even willing to pay him that much. So I think Liberty stepping up like that shows you, okay, we are really, really committed to winning. Um, I think what Michigan State did with Mel Tucker tells you, okay, 
maybe Mel Tucker is the guy or is not the guy, whatever, but we are committed to making sure he does not leave for a better program. We're going to pay him handsomely to try and keep him here. And I think that's really important to watch. So we do have a lot of head open, uh, openings right now. The one I want to talk about first is Miami. And quite frankly, I don't know who Miami is going to hire. No idea. But I know there's one guy in the rumors that I think it's really, really interesting that this coach would be in the rumors. And I think the timing of it is really interesting. Um, but there are now rumors they've been circulating the past week or two that Lane Kiffin is potentially going to take the Miami or is interested in the Miami job rather. Um, that's a rumor. He's interested in the Miami job. I think this rumor is complete and total BS. I do not think there is any truth to him wanting to take the Miami job. One, let's talk about the Miami job, and then I'll tell you why I think these rumors exist. And keep in mind, rumors get out because somebody wants them out. So somebody's in Kiffin, somebody in Kiffin's camp wants this rumor out there. And I'll get to what my theory is on it, and maybe I'm wrong, but I'll get to what my theory is in a little bit. But I want to talk about why there's any reason Lane Kiffin would take the Miami job. One, let's talk about program commitment. Miami, for about 20 years, has just not been committed to winning football games the way they used to. Miami, for a really long time, was not a relevant program. I think what you when you hear the media talk about Miami. It's always this love fest with Miami, but it's really fantasy land. Miami had a really good 15 to 20 year run or so. Jimmy Johnson came in and was the head coach. And the reason they went on that run was for really two reasons. One, back in those days, okay, high school recruits weren't going all over the country. You pretty much went to the one or two biggest schools in your state. If you were a top-tier high school recruit, there were maybe one or two schools in your state that you would go to. And so in the state of Florida, what would happen is Florida State and Florida would get all the top recruits, no matter if they were coming from Miami or wherever. And what Miami did, what Jimmy Johnson did when he went in there, was he really changed the way that those kids thought about the University of Miami. He got those local kids to commit to playing at Miami. So rather than Miami losing players to Florida and Florida State, they were retaining all of that South Florida talent. And South Florida still is one of the most talent-rich places in the country for football just is. So when Miami was able to get all of those players there, Miami quickly became a very, very good program. And then they leveraged that by, and this was really Jimmy Johnson's genius, was he used that and then leveraged it to become a glamour program, right? It was always different. Like there was you know, Virginia Tech football, which was fun, but it was local and it was, you know, grind your teeth and really representative of Southwest Virginia. Um, lunch pal defense. And then there was Miami, which was glamour. It was hip hop. It was stars all over the place, right? And so Jimmy Johnson was able to leverage getting local recruits to now these top tier players want to play at Miami because of just how glamorous the program is. It was different. And it lasted for about 15 or so years. And then really, if you want to know the person that I think you can credit for destroying Miami football, I think you can credit Nick Saban. Nick Saban, when he came into Alabama, it was really kind of the start of getting kids all across the country. And Nick Saban really kind of threw out the idea that, hey, there are a lot of really talented kids in Alabama. We are going to get those kids, but I'm not going to shy away from going into Georgia or going into Florida or heck, we'll even go over to California. We'll go to Texas. We'll go to uh, Tidewater in Virginia. And they started getting just the top recruits in the country, no matter where they came from. Well, other schools realized they could do the same in the thing about Miami is their commitment prior to being a great program, during being a great program, and after being a great program, their commitment 
never changed. So when schools who were more committed and more willing, like in Alabama or in Ohio State or a an LSU or an Oklahoma came into South Florida to recruit a player, kids started noticing. And all of a sudden, you didn't have to go in-state to be seen. If you were a top-level recruit, an elite-level recruit, you could go anywhere you wanted in the country. And Miami falls into kind of this weird category. And there's other programs kind of like this, too, to where they just either couldn't or weren't willing to compete with the changing environment in college football. So the idea that Lane Kiffin can go to Miami and turn it back into what it used to be, I think is a very flawed idea. I think what you've seen with Miami for the past 10-ish or so years, that is Miami football. And it's a good program, by the way. It's not like Miami's ever going to be just this bad program. But the idea that Miami should be in the playoff discussion or a 10-11 win a year team on a consistent basis, and if they're not that, that the coach should be fired, that idea is flawed. And this is a program, by the way, their facilities, I don't know that their facilities would be in the top half of the ACC, truthfully. Like, go and just go Google Miami football facilities. It's not great. Players know that. Um, I I think the um, commitment from the athletic administration, this is not a school that likes to spend a ton of money. And then the last thing, and this is something nobody really talks about, they do not have a high level of fan support. See, back in the day when they were really, really great, they had these big national hip-hop stars and big national actors and all of these people you know, very elite level people, celebrities that were supporting Miami football because Miami created kind of like this glamour program, right? And so kids wanted to go there because of that. Well, no, you don't really have that anymore. You don't really have hip hop stars or celebrities really clamoring to be part of Miami football anymore to support Miami football. They've lost the edge that they once had. They don't have that edge anymore. And it's not really a group of fans that's ever been, they don't travel well. They don't even attend home very well. Like if you go and ask anybody in Vegas, what is Miami's home field advantage? Anybody in Vegas will tell you Miami doesn't have a home field advantage. Like normally your default home field advantage for any team when it comes to gambling is three points. Basically meaning we talk about this all the time on the show. If you have a 10 point line, all right, what that essentially is telling you is that if the home team is favored by 10 points on a neutral field, they would be favored by seven, typically, right? There are some teams that have more of a home foot advantage than others, right? Like Ohio State has a higher home foot advantage. Um, Georgia has a higher home field advantage. Oregon has a big home foot advantage. And then you have teams that have absolutely no home foot advantage at all. Miami fits into that category. So for a coach to say, I'm going to leave Ole Miss and go to Miami, it's really quite a lateral move. Miami's next coach, I don't think is coming from another Power 5 school, especially one that's in the SEC and is as committed as Ole Miss is. I think Miami's next coach is going to be someone from a group of five program. And again, who that is, I have no idea. I mean, y'all can talk about who that is, whatever. It's going to come from a group of five program. They are not stealing another power five coach. And so Lane Kiffin, and I mean, I I was just at Ole Miss Miss a few weeks ago. And you guys can go back and forth on what you think Ole Miss is and isn't. The one thing they are, absolutely, is they are committed. That fan base that administration, they are committed. They will spend money. So why are there rumors of Lane Kiffin being interested in Miami? I think there's a couple of things going on. One, these rumors came about about two weeks ago when it was clearer 
that Dan Mullen likely would not be retaining his job in Florida. And then the rumors heated up right after Dan Mullen was fired from Florida. I do think Lane Kiffin has interest in both the Florida job and the LSU job. And I think probably more so the LSU job. But I think Lane Kiffin wants these rumors out there for one to try and trigger some interest from Florida because I think the last thing Florida wants is for an in-state school to, especially Miami, to all of a sudden start outperforming them. And I think Florida State, by the way, doesn't want to see Miami all, all of a sudden leapfrog above them. Both Florida and Florida State have been abysmal the past couple of years. So I think Lane Kiffin knows if I can start triggering some interest in Miami, if I can start floating this out there, all of a sudden Florida is going to panic. Okay. And I think he also wants that LSU job. Now, the other thing is, is I don't necessarily think LSU wants Lane Kiffin. Maybe they do. I don't know. But if they don't, Regardless of that, by Lane Kiffin's name being associated with Miami, Ole Miss is going to pay him whatever. And this is part of the game with a lot of coaches. A lot of times they will float their name to another program to either get a raise or to get their coordinators a raise. And that's what I think mainly Lane Kiffin is doing. If I were to make a bet on where Lane Kiffin would be to start off the 2022 season, I think he's going to be the head coach of Ole Miss. I do not see him leaving. And if he leaves, now I will say this. If LSU knocks on his door and offers Lane Kiffin a job, I think Lane Kiffin would take it. If Florida knocks on his door and offers Lane Kiffin the Florida job, I think he would take it. But I don't see him leaving Ole Miss for anything other than that. In Miami, quite frankly, I don't think... Okay, let me ask you this. Would Lane Kiffin leave for Virginia Tech? No, and you know that, right? Miami's not even a better job than Virginia Tech at this point. I think, honestly, they're equal, most likely. Um, Going from Ole Miss to Miami would be incredibly lateral. He's not going to do that. Now, I do want to talk a little bit about the LSU job. I can't really give you too many details on the Miami on Miami and that job opening up. I don't know who they would go after. I don't really know who's a good fit. Miami's such a weird place. I think they go with a group of five coach. Outside of that, I don't know what happens. Now, LSU, I can tell you absolutely who LSU should hire. And it, it amazes me that this is not a more prevalent discussion. You know, you hear about LSU... And um, you hear about uh, Bill Napier taking the job, right? That That's the guy that everybody's talking about, the coach of Louisiana Lafayette. And granted, he's done a great job with Lafayette. Really, really has done a great job winning at that program. The coach that I think really um, LSU should be more hot on, though, is Dave Aranda. And I know there are rumors right now that Dave Aranda plans to stay at Baylor. But I think the only reason those rumors are out there is because he doesn't either he doesn't feel confident LSU is going to hire him or he's trying to put the pressure on LSU to hire him before they go out and get Bill Napier. Um, what Dave Aranda has done at Baylor, and I didn't think Dave Aranda was going to work. I really didn't. I said it a couple years ago when we first started Moneyline. I told Ben, this is not going to go well. Last year, they went 2-7. Two and two and seven. They were absolutely abysmal. And then at the start of this year, I thought, you know, I predicted Baylor to be one of the worst teams in the Big 12. Well, he's gone into Baylor. And guys, that team is night and day a completely different, dialed-in team. I mean, they are all in with Dave Aranda. He has done such a phenomenal job in a quick period of time getting Baylor to compete. And really for me, where I started to say, okay, this is the real deal, is when they beat Oklahoma a couple of weeks ago. When you are a program like LSU, what you need is you need a coach that's not afraid when you go into those big games and is able to deliver a win. For me... That would be, and again, Napier's done a great job at Louisiana. But when I watch Baylor and I watch Dave Aranda and I've got evidence that they can go and beat a team like Oklahoma, 
that is who I want. Also, you've got Oklahoma now coming into the SEC. And I, I guess the way they're going to do these divisions is they're going to be in the same – both LSU and Oklahoma would be in the same division. That's how I – only way I can make sense of how they would do the divisions, right? So if you've got Oklahoma coming into the SEC, wouldn't it be prudent to hire the coach that just beat Oklahoma? To me, that's the coach that makes the absolute most sense. I do not understand why you would really entertain the idea of hiring anybody else, right? Um, so I think Dave Aranda, that's the coach they need to go after. Um, now, if I were Virginia Tech, let's talk about that job for a little bit because I think there's a lot of interesting candidates out there for Virginia Tech. I'm going to take a sip of some delicious coffee real quick. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mm, that's good. Blanchard's makes the best coffee, by the way. I talk about Virginia Tech. I want to talk about USC as well. Um, Virginia Tech, I again, it's one of those things. I, I think it's kind of a weird how this coaching search is going. It's been extremely hush-hush. And they're going to play UVA tomorrow. And I think after that game, you're going to start hearing some more rumors with Virginia Tech heat up. Um, for me, if I were Virginia Tech, I would... I think I would go and hire a Jamie, uh, Jamie Chadwell, coach of Coastal Carolina. That, to me, is the hire that makes the most sense, in my opinion. And it's not just that he is he won games last year and he's winning games this year. If you go and you look at Coastal Carolina, their recruiting is falling between 50th to 60th in the country. And for a group of five program, that still is very new to Group of Five. I mean, I think this is year number four for them being in FBS. For them to go into that and be recruiting at that level, that is really, really impressive. Like when we say 50th to 60th in the country, that's about seventh to eighth for a Power Five team, right? So if he's falling into that category with Coastal Carolina, Imagine how well he can recruit at Virginia Tech. And this has really been Virginia Tech's biggest struggle, has been the recruiting area for the past several years. You know, everybody wants to fantasize about the days when Beamer was head coach and they would bring in three-star recruits and develop them. And they did that really, really well. They were great at developing players. But what Virginia Tech really did that made them the program they were was they dominated in-state recruiting. And there was not a four-star recruit that was going to go anywhere else in the state of Virginia. If you were a four-star recruit in the state of Virginia, you went to Virginia Tech. And a lot of five-star recruits that came out of the state of Virginia, Virginia Tech was still in contention for. If you look right now at Ohio State, they have this running back, Travion Henderson. That kid played football at Hopewell. All right, so about 20 minutes south of Richmond is where that kid went to high school. Virginia Tech wasn't even in his final five. They weren't even in, they weren't even considered, 
right? Those are it, it, that kid was looking at Penn State, Ohio State, UNC, and if you go look at the state of Virginia and you look up, I mean, I will pull it up right now just to give you guys an idea of what it looks like. But if you look at the state of Virginia and the recruiting rankings and the top ten recruits in the state of Virginia, none of them. I mean, none of them are going to Virginia Tech. They're all going to Penn State, Ohio State. UNC actually has a ton of them, believe it or not. Um, So, I mean, here it is. So, here's the top 10 recruits in the state of Virginia and where they are going. And let's pull it up for... We'll do 2021, then we'll do 2022. All right, so 2021, we'll go 1 through 10. These are where these kids are going. Clemson, Ohio State... Oklahoma, Virginia, so there's a four-star recruit going to UVA, Tennessee, Ohio State again, Pitt. So, guys, and this is a player in Virginia Beach. Pitt, a divisional rival of Virginia Tech, comes down into the state of Virginia and takes away a player from a part of the state Virginia used to dominate. Oklahoma, UVA, Florida State. And by the way, before you even get to Virginia Tech, you've got Pitt twice more and Coastal Carolina. And a Toledo, the highest ranked player in the state of Virginia that Virginia Tech took is ranked 16th in the state. That is the highest ranked player in the state of Virginia that signed with the Hokies. That is utterly abysmal. That was 2021. Let's look at 2022. So this is recruiting going on right now. Some of these players have not signed yet. So number one player in the state of Virginia for 2022, let's see, okay, so here we go, Florida State, wait, hold on, mess it up here, hold on just a second, let's go back to Virginia, had it in the nation, let's go back to Virginia real quick, okay, here we go, so top 10 recruits, 2022, state of Virginia, UNC, Alabama, UNC, 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 Clemson, Virginia Tech got one, UNC, Virginia Tech, Arizona State. Okay, so Virginia Tech did get two in this season, right? But UNC got five, Alabama got one, Clemson, again, conference rival got one, and Arizona State came in and got one. Like, this is where Virginia Tech needs to be dominant. And yet they are getting destroyed in in-state recruiting. I mean, there were three five-star players in 2021 from the state of Virginia, one in 2022. None of them even considered Virginia Tech. None of them. I mean, the, the top recruit in the state of Virginia for 2022 played in Lynchburg at Liberty Christian Academy. He signed with UNC. How is UNC coming into the state of Virginia and stealing Zach Rice? It doesn't make any sense. So what... What Virginia Tech needs to do is they need to hire a coach that can recruit. Jamie Chadwell, and he's a great game planner, but he can recruit. That, to me, is absolutely the number one hire for Virginia Tech. And I I think, you know, if you look at, they may look at a couple of offensive or defensive coordinators. I don't like that um, because there's no, you don't know how those guys are going to recruit. Right, You don't know what their process is going to be like. They're going to come in. They're going to run a team their own way. The only thing you ever know when you hire a coordinator is you know the X's and O's. You know their ability to game plan. You know their ability to develop players. And that's important by far. But when you hire a head coach, you know what type of leadership you're getting. You know what type of recruiting you're getting. You also know the X's and O's on the game plan you're getting. To me, Jamie Chadwell is hands down the choice for Virginia Tech. Now let's talk about USC because I think USC is just laughably overcomplicating it. There is one coach that USC should be keyed in on, and I don't understand for the life of me how he's not a name that's currently being mentioned. Need more coffee. Why is Kyle Whittingham not in the running for USC? Can somebody please explain this to me? Kyle Whittingham has gone in to USC. And let's just go back to 2015 and I'm going to give you the win-loss records of Utah football. All right. 10 and 3, 9 and 4, 7 and 6 is a down year. They won their bowl game that year by the way. 9 and 5, 11 and 3, 3 and 2 last year so we throw that year away and they're 8 and 3 right now. 
Okay. That is way better than USC has been since 2015. If you looked at Utah's records and looked at USC's records, you would, if you were a USC fan, want to trade records in a heartbeat. It would be a no-brainer. And also in 2008 at Utah, they went 13-0, won the Sugar Bowl, and finished the year fourth in the country. Guys, like... He's done such a phenomenal job with Utah. He's in USC's conference. He just played Oregon last week, and they destroyed Oregon. The game wasn't even close, right? Why would USC not be looking at him? To me, if I am a premier job, I would want to hire a coach that's doing really well in my division, for for I mean, if only for this reason, now you don't have to go up and you don't have to go up against Kyle Whittingham anymore. I would hire him just so I don't have to play against him anymore, right? But he has taken Utah, and they are recruiting really really well. By the way, they consistently have top thirty classes in the country at Utah. This was not an elite program. Utah is not a talent rich state, by the way. So he's doing that. He's winning consistently between 8 to 10 games. Could you imagine what he could do at USC? Like, just think about this. Pose this question. Ask yourself this. Is USC, should USC consistently be a two-win better program than Utah? Okay, yes, they should, right? USC should always be a two-win better program than Utah. Right, just as a pure program, from facilities, from commitment, from the athletic administration, USC should be a two and better program. Okay, so if that's the case, and Cal Whittingham's consistently winning eight games or more at Utah, couldn't I make the argument that at USC he would consistently win ten games or more? Yes, I absolutely could. Right, in eleven games is where you need to be to get into the playoff. So he could go into USC. And at USC, he would recruit better because he'd have way more access, right? At USC, he would have more commitment from the athletic department, right? He would win more games there than he's won at Utah. They would consistently be somewhere between 10 to 11 wins every single year. And maybe once out of every five or six years, they would go undefeated. But that's what you would get from them. The other thing is, I think if you're USC, the name of the game has to be, how do we position ourselves to be better than Oregon? Because Oregon has Phil Knight. So Oregon is spending all this money to be a great program. How do we position ourselves to be better than Oregon? Kyle Whittingham beats Oregon on a consistent basis. Just crushed him last week. Wouldn't you want the guy that's capable of beating Oregon with lesser players than what you have? Now you can come in, recruit better players, right? And then go and compete with Oregon? Like, to me, that is the no-brainer hire. Why is USC looking at James Franklin? And don't get me wrong, James Franklin's done a decent job at Penn State. But he he doesn't ever win you the big games. He doesn't ever beat an Ohio State. He struggles consistently with Michigan. He has struggled to win games against Wisconsin. He wins you a lot of games, but he never wins you the big one. Kyle Whittingham on a consistent basis. And and I know, okay, they've never been a playoff team. What, what, whatever. It's Utah. They shouldn't ever be a playoff team. It's Utah, guys. This should be a team that's consistently winning between six to seven games, not ten Right, If he can do that at Utah, the, the sky is the limit with him at USC. That, to me, that's the home run hire. I don't understand why they would be looking at really anybody else. Um, okay, are there any other coaching jobs that we want to talk about? Talk about Virginia Tech. Um, is Lincoln Riley going to leave Oklahoma? I don't know. I think it's really, really interesting. Um, I don't think Lincoln Riley would take the job at USC. I don't think he's that type of guy. I don't think he wants that. Like, I mean, I could be wrong. I just don't see him doing that. Um, 
And I think Oklahoma is going to pay him too much for him to leave. I mean, thing is, is you got to come in, be willing to pay his buyout fee, which I'm sure is insane. And then you got to find a way to also pay him more than what he's going to go at Oklahoma already, which is insane. I just don't see him leaving at all. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Hey, listen, I like Matt Campbell a lot. I know it's been a down year for Ohio State, especially considering their expectations. I mean, we, at the start of the year, I think Ben and I went absolutely insane with our <laughs> thoughts on Ohio State, or on Iowa State, rather, uh, because we both thought they were going to be playing in the, or have a chance at the playoff. Um, Matt Campbell's a great coach. Um, I, I think he'd be a great hire at LSU. Um, again, I would, I, I think because you've got the connection to Dave Aranda already, to me, that's the no brainer hire. I don't know why you would overcomplicate this thing, but you know, I, I think that's a fine hire. Um, I don't really think there's any other big hirings to really discuss at this point. Um, you know, there, there is somebody was telling me, somebody on Twitter, Michael Gallagher told me that Mario Cristobal would be an option for LSU. I do not understand, and I still, I mean, we talk about this all the time, I don't understand the obsession of Mario Cristobal. I've never got it. Like, guys, last week, I told you before the week, I was going to bet on Utah simply because I wanted to bet against Mario Cristobal, and it was a good bet. Like, Mario Cristobal has a losing record as a head coach. Why are we so hell-bent on him working out um, it, 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 on him being a great coach and granted he's won some games at Oregon, but Oregon outspends every other team in their conference. They, they should be the top one, two or three team in the conference every single year. Like that's fine. He can't get them into the playoff. He, he can't win a playoff game and, and they're spending that much money. I mean, guys, he's got more of an edge at Oregon than Brian Kelly has at Notre Dame. Or Jim Harbaugh has at Michigan. If we're going to criticize those guys, why is Mario Cristobal, who has a losing record as a head coach, why is he so untouchable? It doesn't make sense. I don't know why anybody would be so hell bent on going and getting him. I just I don't get that hire at all. Um, all right, the Florida job. Who should Florida go and hire? Um, to me, I mean, if I were Florida, I would give Lane Kiffin a hard look. I I really, really would. And if you look at the coaches right now that are working in the SEC, a lot of these Nick Saban assistants, I know we talk about how oh, they never beat Nick Saban. Well, the reality is, guys, not a lot of coaches beat Nick Saban. Like, it's <laughs> there's very few coaches that beat Nick Saban. Um, so I'm not worried about their record against Nick Saban. A lot of these former SEC assistants, they work out. They really do. And if I'm floor, or I'm sorry, former Nick Saban assistants, they do work out. And so, again, if I'm Florida, I've watched Lane Kiffin succeed at Ole Miss. He has them in the top 10. He has them winning 10 games. That's more than Dan Mullen did at Mississippi State, by the way. Far better than what he did at Mississippi State. He's got them performing that well at Ole Miss. They're going to finish second in the SEC West. Why couldn't? I make the argument that given Florida's resources and Florida's commitment compared to Ole Miss, he would do better. He absolutely would do better at Florida. Um, So to me, that's the guy that I would go after. Um, I I think you could also look at a Matt Campbell. I don't think, though, if you're going to hire a Matt Campbell, you got to be patient. You have to, Matt Campbell is not a one-year come-in-and-win-right-away type of guy. He's He is very much about putting together the right group of guys. He's very much process-driven, and that I do think in the long term, I think it works. That's very much how Nick Saban is. But if your goal is to win immediately and to go toe-to-toe with Georgia in 2022, Matt Campbell's not going toe-to-toe with Georgia in 2022. Matt Campbell might do it in 2025, but you have to go into it with that level of commitment. And the thing I don't, the reason I don't think it would work out is because Florida wasn't willing to give Dan Mullen a chance. And I said I thought Dan Mullen was in jeopardy about four weeks ago. Like this show, Ben and I were on this before it really even became popular. But if you're not going to give Dan Mullen some time, and you're going to bring in Matt Campbell. 
I don't think you're going to be pleased with what you get because Dan Campbell wants to take his time to build the right team. So I just, I don't think he's going to come in there and immediately win 10, 11 games. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Um, let's see. By the way, LSU finishing last in the SEC West. It just, that line, that, that doesn't even make sense that I just uttered that. Um, it is weird. <laughs> it is weird to say that. Um, okay, let's go over to some games here, and then we'll get out of here. So let's predict some games. Ohio State is a seven-point favorite at Michigan tomorrow. Um, I would. This is a line I would stay away from because I think Ohio State is very, very capable of going in there and doing what they did to Michigan State and just blowing the doors off of Michigan. I really, really do. Um, and Michigan, I think, is very, very unproven still, too. And I know they're 10-1. They've beaten a lot of teams they should have beaten. That's fine. But I don't know that I necessarily trust Michigan. At the same time, the game is at Michigan. Um, I think Harbaugh is going to want to control the game. So I don't think we're going to see a super high-scoring affair. I think he's going to want to try and keep a lot of things underneath and force Ohio State to run the ball at him, which, by the way, Ohio State can do and still win. Um, so I think there's potential. I think there's equal potential Ohio State just blows them out. I think there's equal potential Michigan keeps it really, really close. The part about this game I do like is the over-under is 64.5. That seems really, really high for me. For a game that's going to be nationally televised, it's going to feel like a huge, huge game. And it seems really high for me for a good defensive team that knows it needs to keep the game slow. It knows it needs to slow the game down in order to win. I just don't, And it's going to be really cold, by the way. I just don't think we're going to get into a foot race in Michigan. So I would bet the under. I'd stay away from the seven-point line. Um. Check out some other games. Florida, by the way, is a three-point favorite at home against Florida State, which is basically Vegas telling you that's even money across the board. I don't know that I would bet that. Um, Let's see. Miami is a 21-point favorite at Duke. Um, Again, I'm staying away from this game. It is David Cutcliffe's last game. Miami's been a mess. I think you could make the argument Duke plus 21 is a pretty tasty line to take. Um, and if there's one team that I think David Cutcliffe and Duke would want to knock off before he leaves, I think it would be Miami. And the reason I think that is go back to 2015. It's probably the loss that has caused David Cutcliffe the most heartache is that loss with the kick return. And, you know, there should have been like 20 flags on the play and they were all overturned. Um, so I think Duke comes out tomorrow extra motivated. Again, I'm going to stay away from that game, but I think if you want to take a flyer on it, it would not be a bad game to take a flyer on. Alabama at Auburn. Alabama is a 20.5 point favorite at Auburn. Now, this game. Historically, when they play at Auburn, it has been really, really close. Unfortunately, Bo Nix is likely not going to be playing tomorrow. Um, Auburn's offense looked really, really weak against South Carolina. This is a team that has looked undisciplined at times. And Alabama, although some of their games have been really close, unexpectedly close, the one thing Alabama does better than anybody else is you give them an opportunity, they will capitalize on it. And Auburn gives teams a lot of opportunities. So I think 20 and a half points and 
maybe I am just saying this because Ben's not here. I actually really like Alabama to cover 20.5 on the road. Oregon is a seven-point favorite against Oregon State. Now, I know I just went on a tirade about Mario Cristobal. Here's the thing, though. Oregon last week went on the road to Utah, got their doors knocked off. They're going to come back home to end the season against their in-state rival. I think they're going to crush Oregon State. I really, really do. Um, I like good teams coming off of big losses. I really do. So Oregon comes back home. They only have to cover seven. I feel like that's easy. I think they'll probably win by like 10 to 14. Penn State is a two-point favorite at Michigan State. This is really interesting because if Penn State loses this game, this is a 7-5 and five team. Our big programs like USC still hyped up to go hire a coach and just went 7-5 and five at Penn State. I don't know. Um, and then if Michigan State loses, that would make... I think their third loss since giving Mel Tucker his extension. I think he'd be... Either one and two or zero and three since giving him that extension. So some fan base at the end of this game is going to be severely disappointed. Um, I honestly think Michigan State wins this game. I think Penn, I think James Franklin and Penn State are a little bit more of a mess than the media wants to acknowledge. So I'm going to take Michigan State to cover two points at home and beat Penn State outright. By the way, if you're going to bet that game, betting Michigan State to cover but not win is a stupid bet. So take Michigan State to win outright against Penn State. Um Let's see, Virginia is a seven-point favorite at home against Virginia Tech. There is no home foot advantage. In fact, you could almost make the argument, and this is interesting because I'm not sure how Vegas played this when they put this line together. You can make the argument that Virginia Tech would have a one-point edge going at UVA simply because they're going to have more fans at the game. They always do when these two teams meet. Um, but I think UVA's got the better coach, though. Um, you know, Virginia Tech brought in, I think his name was J.C. Scott or something like that, or J.C. Taylor or somebody like that. Brought him in as the interim head coach. He's a, um, you know, run through a brick wall type of guy, super motivational, and that's fine. UVA's got a very tactical coach in Bronco Mendenhall. I think at the end of the day, that does win, but you can't deny the fact that in this rivalry game, Virginia Tech has been muddy and UVA has been pitiful. They've only won it once and they did it with Bryce Perkins and probably the best team UVA has had in a really long time. So because of that and Virginia Tech was going to carry more fans, I wouldn't take Virginia Tech to win it outright, but I would pick them to cover seven points. That is a lot to ask a team to cover against a team they don't beat quite often. The other game I find very, very tasty is Wisconsin going to Minnesota, and Wisconsin is a seven-point favorite on the road. Wisconsin has been rolling lately. They beat Nebraska by seven last week. They beat Northwestern 35-7. to They beat Rutgers 52-3. to They beat Iowa by 20. They beat Purdue 30-13. to That is a team that right now is just really, really hot. I don't know that... I just think that streak continues as they go on the road to Minnesota. And I like Minnesota, but they've been missing a lot of players. And I love P.J. Fleck as well, but I just do not think they cover. Now, the interesting thing is the over-under here is only 39. So you've got a very small over-under. And when you see a line of seven points, that's huge. Because only 39 points scored, but a seven-point line. That would be the equivalent. Take Oregon and Oregon State. Same line, seven points, but the over-under is 60.5. Imagine if Oregon was favored by like 17, right? So the percentage difference there is really about the same, uh, which is just kind of crazy to me. Now, Texas A&M goes to LSU. Texas A&M is a a 6.5-point favorite. I hate taking road favorites, but this is another case in which... I think I would. Like, LSU with an interim head coach, do I really expect they're going to keep it within a touchdown against A&M? I think A&M goes to LSU and blows their doors off. And then the last game, Oklahoma State is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Oklahoma. 
I think the public really likes Oklahoma State here because of the narrative, not actually what they've seen. Oklahoma last week played Iowa State. They controlled the game. They controlled the clock. Their defense looked fine. I think they go into this game in state rivalry. Everybody's all over Oklahoma State. I wouldn't take Oklahoma to necessarily win, but I would take them to cover a four and a half point spread. All right, so there is your college football picks. That is your Moneyline podcast for the week. Everybody have a good week. Enjoy the finish. Enjoy your Saturday, I guess. And Ben, if you're listening, enjoy Alabama beating the crap out of Auburn. Not saying I'm rooting for it. Just telling you what's going to happen tomorrow. That's Moneyline. Y'all have a good week. Weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.